Today, in lieu of our time with children, we have an opportunity to hear from one of our older elementary school children who is becoming increasingly familiar with her Bible. She is going to read our scripture today. Charlotte Kurtz is here. Welcome, Charlotte. Today's scripture comes from the book of Matthew, and both focus on the body part of the heart, not so much its physical function, but its spiritual function. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew chapter 5, verses 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This is the word of the Lord. And thank you to you as well, Charlotte, for being our reader this morning. And now is the time for our children to depart for children's spiritual formation. So uh, those of you who are here can follow Charlotte. I heard from a number of you last week in our, following our worship service uh, how enjoyable it was to see that large number of young people come down the aisle and grab their sheep and go off to time with children. We in this service don't often see those many young children because they're in our contemporary worship service, but as we gathered together as one community of faith last week, it was one of the visuals that many people commented about following the service. As I said a little while earlier, we at the church are seeking to participate in ways to limit the um, spread of the coronavirus, and so we've taken a number of steps, and uh, we're thrilled that you're here. One member commented to me this week, uh, at the end of the week, as things were continuing to be publicized about the extent of the virus, that uh, it was a comfort to know that whatever we're facing, we're facing it together. So uh, I'm grateful for your presence here. Let us pray together. And so, gracious God, we come once again to hear your word. We've come gathered here as your people to receive what you alone can give. So we ask that you would quiet within us any voice but your own and speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Those of you who attended the annual meeting last week had a chance to hear a little bit more about heart, head, and hands, these three foci that our strategic planning task force has identified 
as areas that we want to focus upon in the life of our church. Our two verses of Scripture that Charlotte Kurtz read so well focus on the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed, or another perhaps translation is fortunate, are the pure in heart. This is one of the Beatitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount, which is a compilation of the teachings of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And at the heart of what we're talking about in this regard is that God is leading us to live transformed lives and to live into transforming relationships here at the church with our neighbors in our community, in our cities, and in the world in which we live. According to Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the book of Matthew, heart, or cardia in Hebrew psychology, is literally the human center, the home of personal feeling and willing and thinking. Heart will and mind are all covered by the biblical term heart. Therefore, this phrase, the pure in heart, Dale Bruner translates as meaning clear at the center. The pure in heart are those who are centered people. They're not living off balanced. Their personal center in life is directed towards God and therefore they will see God. Here in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus stops his ministry of healing to sit down with his disciples and teach them. Why doesn't Jesus just continue to go on with the healing and why does the Gospel writer position the teachings of Jesus here in the 5th, 6th, and 7th chapter of Matthew. I mean, wouldn't his time be better spent healing if you could heal people of their life-threatening illnesses, their blindness, their paralysis? Wouldn't it be better to do as much as you can to relieve the suffering in the world? But instead, there's sort of a conference on the mountain, and Jesus begins to teach. Again, according to Dale Bruner, he thinks it's because this is Jesus' sort of preventive medicine. This is public health versus private health care. And it just happened to resonate with me this week as I'm reading the paper. We're hearing a lot about public health information these days. The Center for Disease Control knows that good information produces health. And they're trying to encourage healthy practices to limit the spread of this disease. In a similar way, Jesus knows that good information will help disciples live in ways that lead to health and vitality rather than having to deal with the brokenness of relationships and the brokenness of our lives. So Jesus is not only interested in curative work, but preventive work, and thus teaching. 
He not only wants to do surgery in our lives, he wants to put us back together again, integrating our lives, healing us, and helping us. We all know that the wrong lifestyle will make us sick, literally. When we follow the wrong advice in life, it can do great damage. Following the teachings of Jesus, however, lead to a better balance in our living and we'll be centered. Being centered then allows us to begin building transformative relationships with others. That's the language that we're using about the heart. Participating in transformative relationships. I wonder how many of us have friendships that cut across socioeconomic and racial ethnic diversity. How many people of a different race or ethnicity have you had to your home in the past few years? How many friends do you have of a different generation than yourself? Is your circle of friends all made up of the same demographic as you are? You only hanging out with people who are just like yourself. Well, then maybe we're not participating in the transformation that God intends for us. Because that's not what the church of Jesus Christ looks like. And we, because of faith, ought to be centered enough in our own lives to begin to build communities of believers across the divides that alienate us from one another. Jesus walked in and among all the different peoples of his time, related to them, invited them, ate with them. Sadly, the church is often more known for its divisions than for its ability to unify people. Everyone called to faith is also called to service. And each one of us is gifted in some way for the sake of the whole of us. There are endless ways for us to work out this calling that Christ has laid upon us together. First and foremost, we're called to be disciples of Christ. That means that our professional lives and our personal activities are subject to the claim of God upon our lives. Christian wholeness means the commitment of one's entire life to the Lord, regardless of what our particular work may be. And when life begins to be centered in our commitment to Christ and Christ's claim upon us, our lives take on a different focus and different meaning. We begin to allow ourselves to be used up for God's mighty purposes. And that seems to be driving at the heart of the matter. We move somehow from our self-centeredness to being other-centered. We begin to relate to others in more transformative ways, leading to the building of communities that are communities of care and concern for others. One of the great things about the church is its multi-generational nature. 
Very rarely elsewhere in our lives do we have generations together. It means that we need Sunday school teachers. We need confirmation mentors. We need people who are willing to devote themselves to the next generation to pass on our faith. Building communities. Become involved in caring for those who are the next generation as well as those on the margins who are struggling. In some of my reading in the last couple of weeks, I came across a phrase that I'd not heard before. The diseases of despair. It's remarkable how many people between the ages of 50 and 75 describe themselves as lonely. Diseases of despair include alcoholism and addiction. And we're living with these diseases of despair more and more as a society. Faith begins with a transformation of our hearts and then it leads us to live into transformative relationships with others. Instead of living, protecting ourselves from others or against others or using others, we're led into communities that are places where real relationships and depth occur. Some years ago, back a few decades ago, there was a song written by Mary Sue Dobbins that caught my attention. Mary Sue Dobbins is a Montessori school teacher. She's blind herself, and she's a singer, and she sang this theme song for what was then called the Year of the Handicapped. That's not language that we use anymore. But here's the lyrics to her song. It's not just what you're born with, it's what you choose to bear. It's not how large your share is, but how much you can share. It's not the fight you dream of, but those you really fought. It's not how much you're given, but what you do with what you've got. Now, we all know someone like him, tall and strong and lean, body like a greyhound with a mind so sharp and keen. But his heart's just like a laurel rue, all twisted on itself, till almost everything he did brought pain to someone else. Now what's the use of two good legs if you only run away? What good is the finest voice if you've nothing good to say? What good are strength and muscles if you only push and shove? What's the use of two good ears if you can't hear those you love? Between those who use their neighbor and those who use a cane, between those in constant power and those in constant pain, between those who run to evil and those who cannot run, tell me, which ones are the cripples and which ones touch the sun?
Our faith brings healing in the very heart of who we are. It's not that we need to lead a good life to find the favor of our Lord or to be loved by God. We are already loved by God, which says much more about God's love than it does about our attractiveness or loveliness. And these beatitudes are not conditions that when fulfilled give grace. Grace is already there sufficient for us to begin to follow the commands of our Lord. But the fact is we're often crippled by our own choices and immobilized by our own fears. While God meets us where we are and loves us as we are, we are not meant to remain where we are or as we are. We become citizens of a realm where God's reign exists, where the strong stand up for the weak, where righteousness, goodness, peace, and justice are found in human interactions. We can live morally, not to earn God's love, but in thanksgiving for the newfound freedom and as an expression of our commitment to live according to the dictates and the directives of our Lord. So we're called, each of us, to work out God's gift of salvation in our human, in our moral, and in our social lives. And we do that best by joining together as a community of faith and living from within healed hearts and with healed relationships with one another and living into the community and loving our neighbors with our hearts transformed by faith. We then take our place with one another in building up the body of Christ. So let us live in transformational ways because that's the heart of the matter. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.